0: You won't use this message because you're a cowardly, spinalist piece of shit. You're a lying, lip tarted bastard, Jesse Dollarmore, you fat, fucking garbage piece of shit.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right, everybody, and welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us for this 510th episode of I Doubt It with Dolomore. I'm your host, Jesse Dolomore, and today I am joined by the lovely, talented, scholarly upper ritney page
2: so i'm i'm kind of in a bad mood so i'm hoping that by doing the show and talking about the really uplifting things that we have going on right now (laughs) that you're setting
1: us up for failure
2: i will start to feel a little bit better
1: it is well i know what you're pissed off about you want to just talk
2: about that real quick well what am i pissed off about
1: you're, you're pissed off about the, the new revelations uh-huh. that the Mormon church mm-hmm. set up a hotline, yep. a sexual abuse hotline. For bishops. Right. Which isn't a hotline at all. In fact, what it does is reroutes their call to the church's law firm mm-hmm. so they can get counsel on how to cover up, ultimately, how to cover up the sexual abuse at the hands of a parishioner, which... Puts the innocent children of God, if you will, the innocent parishioners on the outs because they're all about protecting the church. Even if it means providing legal defense for and supporting um, the child rapist or the child sexual abuser. Is that what you're angry about?
2: That uh, would be it. Did yeah. I
1: did I sum that up pretty accurately? Yeah. Uh-uh. So
2: this is a Vice News article and a video. If you don't like reading things, um, you can watch it. And we already put it on the Facebook page. So if you're listening to this, it is already there. You can go find it and read it and watch it. Um, I, I just... I have a lot of anger about this. Yeah. And... Part of it stems... Part of it is latent anger over the um, Catholic Church scandal. Because when that was happening, I was very upset that I didn't hear from religious people. I didn't hear religious people at all posting about or talking about the Catholic Church sex abuse crisis. And my suspicion had always been, well, they're probably not talking about it because... It's only a matter of time.
1: Until their particular flavor of Christianity, their particular organization of religion is... um,
2: Up to no good. Is uh, found to be up to no good.
1: Is implicated in these same types of charges.
2: And if they are then in a situation where they have talked badly about the Catholic Church, well, then where are they going to stand with their own religious institution and not look like a hypocrite, right? So... I'm just, I'm upset because I don't understand placing a religious institution above the safety and well being of children. And if you are giving money to these institutions, you are supporting this. If you are attending services at these institutions, you are supporting this. And if there are members of the LDS church that go to church on Sunday and they aren't raising hell about this with their leadership, then they are making a huge mistake and and they they are are complicit.
1: And they are instead, like you just said, giving money because Mormons are faithful about tithing 10% or more to their church.
2: Right. The money that then goes to this law firm to um act like thugs against the victims of forcing them to sexual sign,
1: abuse forcing them to sign non-disclosure agreements
2: right i mean yeah. it's like <laughs> it's it's like what you hear in hollywood it's yeah. what you hear in all these other places where they they talk about all these terrible things happening There, these victims families have to sign ndas with the church the church makes them sign a non-disclosure agreement
1: it's unconscionable
2: so I'm in a bad mood because of this. And <laughs> it's hard for me to, I, I, it's hard for me to understand. I, uh,
1: Especially for people who purport to be Christ-like. Mm-hmm. Suffer the little children to come unto me. Christ who said, it is better to have a millstone tied around your motherfucking neck and have you tossed to the bottom of the sea than to lead a ch- child astray or to, to, to hurt a child.
2: Quote, unquote, Jesus.
1: Eh, I'm, bear- I'm getting a little Jesse D spin on the Jesus quote. Mm. But that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Not the motherfucking part, <laughs> but the absolute. It is better to have a millstone tied around your neck and have you tossed to the bottom of the sea than to lead a child astray. And what, 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 what manner is more egregious to lead a child astray than to rape him or her? to sexually abuse him or her and have them carry with them that trauma for the rest of their life look i've got my issues with with faith and the bible that are that, that will just they'll that, be stand on their own but how can a christian if you believe the words of christ especially the words of christ the red letters how do you let that go how do you how do you ignore that
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, in all this secrecy, I mean, they're not respe- they're not responding to the article. They're not giving information. Right. These are reporters who are doing their job, trying to get to the bottom of this, exposing the truth, helping these families that have been victims of this organization um, that again is employing thugs essentially to come after them. Um, I, I again, I, I, it makes me sick. So um, I, <laughs> I'm trying to get to a point where I can like forget about this and move on. Um, but I'm, I'm still kind of caught in a space where I am feeling pretty upset about it.
1: Again, and I'll say this, and since we're now dealing with the Mormon issue, I'll say what I said about the Catholic Church. If you're a Mormon, just less, like I've said for many years, if you're a Catholic who does not address this with, with church leadership, with your, with your parish priest, with the larger diocese at the, or at the organizational level. But if you're a Mormon, or excuse me, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I don't want to be pejorative here. If you're a Mormon and, and, you're, and you're not raising this issue with your bishop or with your stake president or with the organization as a whole, are you not somehow also mildly complicit? If you are not, as a parishioner, as a as a member of the body of Christ, if you're not doing the right thing to protect the most innocent among us, your silence is complicity. It just is. So I, I'm with you. I I understand why you're pissed off, Brittany Page. I get it. There's reason to be bothered it's it's a good thing
2: yeah I just um, I am I don't again I'm I'm just really struggling because so like we always talk about when you criticize religion even if it's very rational and reasonable and this is I mean it's the abuse of children um, somehow you still come across as, as hateful, right because you're talking about people's faith. you're talking about something that is sacred to them. It is their religion, it is their faith. Um, and so even listening to you just say what you said right now, it it was it it doesn't land with me correctly and I don't know why. And I want to convince people, but I don't know how to do it because I don't know what's going to get through to people. You know, the church, the Mormon church is really struggling with the LGBTQ issue, yeah, which they, sure. we just talked about a couple episodes ago where they finally, you know, reversed course once they got a new revelation from God that the majority of Americans support LGBTQ rights, you know, Gallup has been saying that for a while, but yeah, finally yeah. God, you know, told them and, um, They are struggling with, you know, feminists that are a part of the church who want to stay in the church and want to see women in positions of leadership.
1: But God doesn't believe well, if you have a vagina, Brittany, you can't have the priesthood. That's come on, that's just that's a silly. God hasn't given them that revelation yet.
2: And this Vice article refers to that as part of the problem here as well. It's Um, just men
1: making the decisions.
2: And you have these policies where you go to a bishop who's just a dude, you know, who yeah. has like another job, but they believe that um, because he's a bishop that God has conferred on him this like human lie detector ability.
1: Yeah, the the the, the gift of discernment.
2: And so you tell the bishop that your child has been molested by a member of the church and the bishop goes and interviews that person, right? He doesn't call the police. He calls this hotline. So he lets the lawyers know, Oh shit guys, get ready for a financial liability. Yeah. The, uh, the law firm prepares, starts preparing how much money would be reasonable to offer to the victim. And the bishop goes out and talks to the child molester. And then in this specific case in the vice story, uh, decides that he's really truthful and that this didn't happen.
1: Yeah, he, well, he first he prays, he prays and to let Jesus know also what's going on. Mm-hmm. You, you, you first you tell the lawyers, then you confer with Jesus.
2: Yeah, so this is so anyway. The policy needs to be changed. There's n- under no circumstances is someone who is in a position of essentially being a counselor. Um, I mean, he's not
1: trained to be so right, but you're usually in, they're like business leaders in the community,
2: right? But they're in that capacity, right? People yeah. come to yeah. them with marital problems, come to them with these abuse allegations, come to them with some serious shit, right? And you're not act, you're not a mandated reporter, but you should be acting as a mandated reporter, right? Because you have this role in the community. You should be keeping people safe. They're relying on you for that. Absolutely. And so are. you should take your role seriously. And if someone comes forward about a criminal, then you need to call the police. It's not up to you to investigate. You're you're you work at like an office. You're a dentist. No one cares about you. That's exactly Call the right. police. Yeah. And start an investigation. Right. That should be a policy change. So everyone in the church should be advocating for that. Instead, what is more likely to happen is this vice article is bad. What vice is trying to do is bad. Do not expose the church. Do not talk bad about the church. Keep this quiet. We'll deal with it in secret, right? Yeah. That's not how it should be.
1: You're, you're all the way right.
2: I don't so, want to say hundred percent. Anyway, I didn't want to start the show like this, but
1: why not? This it, is currently it's currently what's on my mind. <laughs> so. Yeah, let's. I want to roll with the, with where the passion flows,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's where it is tonight. All right. It's good. Mm -hmm. It's good, Brittany Page. Let's get to some listener communication. Mm -hmm. Let you take a drink of that delicious Aquafina Mm -hmm. in front of you. Mm -hmm. And uh, last time on the show, we opened the show in a little different manner than we did this show. (laughs) With me talking about how Brittany Page is... My hero, how she handled a situation with these two young bigoted girls talking about how they were going to confront their gay friend and how, oh, they were going to do it in love though. It's going to be in love that he's sinning and he's going to burn in hell forever. But oh, it's going to be in love. It's going to be in love. And uh, we got a call.
3: Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Laura. Uh, I just wanted to chime in a little bit and talk about how a wonderful... It has been learning from Brittany about talking to people in public when they are spewing their disgusting politics and how level-headed she is about it because I have learned a lot from just listening to her talk about it and Jesse listening to you talk about her doing it I have learned how to approach people that way specifically from you Brittany and I just wanted to um also say that you are my hero (laughs) in that way um I know I've talked about this before the restaurant I work at tomorrow's my last day though because now I got a real vet tech job woohoo um but You know, it's everyone that eats there and sits at the bar because of my boss thinks it's, like, a safe space for bigotry and homophobia and, you know, just bullshit politics. And so a lot of times people will say stuff to me, uh, you know, like, Uh, One thing I get a lot is people will say stuff to me about the takeout containers like, uh, you know, them liberals are going to make the styrofoam illegal and it's just ridiculous. I don't know what we're going to do when we don't have plastic bags anymore. And the last time someone said that to me, I said, well, we'll use takeout containers that are made out of paper and are biodegradable and we will adjust somehow because we always do. And he just stood there and looked at me. And he goes, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. And I'm like, yeah, because it's really not that big of a fucking deal, you stupid asshole. Um, or the other day we got a whole packet of uh, dollar bills that had Trump sucks dick written on them. And I thought it was really funny. And a bunch of people at the bar we're just saying to me, that is just so terrible that you think that's funny to talk about our president like that. Uh. It's just so offensive. And I said to them, Aw, do you guys need a safe space? And then they all just looked at me and didn't say anything. It's like, do you hear yourselves? It's just a joke. And then I looked at my boss and I said, I'd really like to hear some of the stuff that you said about President Obama. And he said, oh, well, I never said stuff like that. And I said, yeah, I'm sure you haven't. So anyway, I just wanted to give Brittany some more props for uh, teaching me also how to be more level-headed with stupid people like that. Okay, love you guys much. Bye. Well, thank you, Laura, um, of course. And
2: congratulations on the new job and leaving that place. <laughs> good for you. Good I don't work. know. It
1: seemed like good people. She was working around.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, I read an interview with Julia Louis-Dreyfus in NetAporter.com. Never heard of it. Would have assumed it's fake news, but they had really good pictures of her, so I'm assuming it's real.
1: Why can't we get her on the show if Net a Porter Don't know. gets her?
2: Don't know. Um, Somebody
1: reach out to Julia Louis-Dreyfus.
2: Yes, but she talks about Selena Meyer on veep uh the char- character the character yeah. that she plays former and, president yeah if you don't watch veep something's wrong with you get it figured out well
1: we could have said that to us because when we first watched it
2: Meh, ba-dee, ba-dee. i and think i the, always we, liked we
1: revisited it. it and then it took off no i think i always liked oh, it. oh you did huh? yeah okay
2: so she talked about her role though and selena meyer is for sure a bad person venomous <laughs> She's for sure a bad person, yeah. Yeah. They pretty much it's a show of bad people. They're all bad people. But for some reason it's very watchable and everyone's lovable still. You You know. know who's not in this season? Good writers who susan or whoever the, the yeah she's been gone for a while oh okay yeah i just noticed this yeah season. so that's gonna so, so anyway <laughs> that will speak to five listeners who watch Veep and she was interviewed about playing a powerful woman and the work that she has done with that show and she said this and i really liked it quote what why is a powerful woman a complicated thing why is asserting ourselves so hard I feel it myself. Anytime I assert myself in a strong way or I feel highly opinionated about something in a work environment, there is a voice in my head that is questioning it, wondering if I should rein myself in. I'm a big fan of Kamala Harris and I admire AOC's pluck. She's tough as nails and I dig that a lot. Elizabeth Warren is a powerhouse, end quote. So this is really surprising but not really that surprising that someone as powerful and accomplished as Julia Louis Dreyfus still feels this. Yeah. Where she wonders, am I coming across too strong? Am I coming across too opinionated? Uh, do I need to hold myself back? Should I be quiet more often?
1: She's working, working against 250,000 years of, of fucking browbeaten beat, programming.
2: You yeah. know, and it's it's kind of reassuring to hear that
1: <laughs> even even someone who's a billionaire,
2: <laughs> yeah. But it's also depressing, yeah, in a way, yeah. That someone as powerful and accomplished um, still feels that way, still wonders, should I be quiet? You know. But I think the important thing is we can recognize that we have this voice in our heads that is telling us, you know, know your role, um, be quiet, uh, fall back you know, hear that voice and say, no, you know, I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to tell men who treat women poorly in public to get fucked. And I'm going to yeah. tell people who are bigots in public to shut their mouths and watch what they say Yeah, and uh, that it's okay.
1: I think it is okay.
2: And I still struggle with that. And I'm uncomfortable that I just said that. <laughs>
1: It's, it's all, but it's all, it's all, it's all growth. It's all progress. It's all moving, you know, getting a little bit more comfortable each time it happens. Mm -hmm. I think we got an email on the same, uh, along the same track.
2: This one is from Chris G. Hi, Jesse, Brittany, and Popeye.
1: Oh, he's sleeping.
2: I wanted to write to commend you on how you handled the girls you overheard discussing how they were going to confront their friend about his sexuality. A few weeks ago, I was having a discussion with an extremely Christian best friend of 25 years. For the record, I was raised Catholic, but have been an atheist for approximately five years now, when he mentioned how while he wasn't going to interfere with anyone's life, but he truly believes that it's wrong. He went on to mention how he believes children need the influence of both a male and female parent and other baseless reasons for this belief that all stem back to justifying something he was told to believe by his religion. The whole time, I was considering what to say in response. What about people who meet later in life or couples who don't want kids or situations where a parent lives far away or has died? Not to mention the influence of teachers, friends, other family members, or the fact that there isn't any information suggesting that he's correct in the first place. In the long run, the conversation shifted and I just let it go. I wish I hadn't. It can be difficult to step up and defend a position in the moment. Maybe I'll have the guts to be able to find the words next time. In the meantime, thank you for being braver than I am and keep up the good work. Popeye is the best part.
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that last part.
2: Chris is a big fan of farting, burping, snoring, sneezing. Am I leaving something out?
1: No, I think that comes <laughs> Listen, I don't think that, that it's that Brittany is more more brave. I don't think it's a bravery thing. I think it's that we we maybe just, we think about these issues and talk certainly talk about these issues a lot more so they are being vocalized and, you know, it's like doing karate. You, you practice and you practice and you practice so you're good at something. This is one of those deals where we talk about it all the time so it's in our minds so when something like that happens we've had enough practice to have thought about it to do it well. And I'm not talking about uh, when I say us, I mean, Brittany, Um, you know, and look, when you're dealing with somebody who's a loved one and they're, you know, spewing their nonsense. There are a lot of other variables that come into play. It
2: makes it much more complicated Yeah,
1: than just being brave. It's you know, you want to salvage the relation. There's all kinds of shit. So don't I don't know that you're being hard on yourself, but if that is the case, don't be so hard on yourself.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Thanks for the email. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's move on to less praise, Brittany Page.
3: hmm
4: Less praise. <clears throat> Hello, Jesse and Brittany. Um, I have a voicemail to comment on a main man, Bernie Sanders, who's like number two main man right now because I'm an Andrew Yang kind of guy. Um, but it was weird to me. Weird. This is a very special word that I use on purpose. Weird. It's weird to me that Bernie Sanders gave $100,000 in uh, charitable contributions when his salary was $105,000 as a senator. So he only kept $5,000 and he just kept the money off of his book, that's number one. Number two weird, weird, weird thing is that, oh my God, since when do we judge our presidential candidates? off of how much they donate to charity. Really? We're that judgmental. This is why the Republicans win shit. is because we refuse to not eat our own. We can't judge Bernie Sanders based on his charitable contributions. He donated way more than I ever will because I don't believe in donating money as a charitable... I I don't donate money I donate my time my effort I will go out and do work I will clean up parks I will do things for people but I don't like giving money because I don't like that most of the time people keep that money and nothing happens for good people so I don't do that so I don't hold that as a bar for everyone else does everyone else just hold that as a bar and I'm the weirdo or is everyone else being kind of weird about this that they're kind of. Since when do we judge candidates on charity? Who's the most charitable? Yikes! Brittany is the best part. Love you guys. Love the
5: show. Brittany's the best part. Bye.
1: Well, many, many, many things here. Not so much many. Let's break it down to one or two, three, maybe three things. One, uh, I don't know where Mikey is 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 uh, coming with the. Donated one hundred thousand when his salary is one hundred five thousand. Maybe from a Daily Beast article that talked about the fact that Bernie Sanders and his wife together donated one hundred thousand dollars total over the last decade. Maybe that's where he's getting that. Be- and also, a, a senator's salary is by no means one hundred five thousand dollars. It's about $175,000, like one hundred seventy-three dollars and change or something. So those numbers are just wrong, just as an instant fact check.
2: Instant fact check.
1: Instant fact check. The other thing is, uh, to the question of since when do we judge presidential candidates on how much they donate to charity? Again, I'll say this. If you're judging Donald Trump on how lousy he is at being charitable... But you're not judging Democratic candidates by that same standard, then you're a hypocrite. I'm not speaking to Mikey, I'm speaking to the audience at, at large, but it, it, Mike, Mikey, if you if you uh, if you don't judge Donald Trump and you think it's fine that he doesn't donate to charity, and you also think it's fine that, that Bernie doesn't, then that's fine. But then to, to the larger question, since when do we do this? Since when do we judge presidential candidates on how much they donate to charity? Um, I don't think anybody does or should judge solely on that. But it is one metric in a calculus of maybe 10,000 things that you absolutely should take into account. That seems rational to me.
3: Yeah, I,
2: I just, I don't understand what is so hard about this. Um, Bernie Sanders has made inequality a central part of his moral worldview. Yeah, right. Very. So that's, that's better than what I said. That's yeah. why charity is being looked at here. And yes, I understand that he talks about taxes, but when you're talking about inequality, right? And he talks about how he already paid his taxes. Someone who's very concerned. And believes it's a moral issue that there are people starving in the streets. Yeah. Wouldn't you assume that someone who has that moral worldview... Who's w- a
1: millionaire. ...would
2: be giving a, a substantial amount of money to charity? Not or, 2.26%?
1: Yeah. which is Wouldn't that, that be the assumption? That's the decade's average, 2.26%.
2: And so here's the thing, guys. Because, again, people got pissed off. Um, it was almost you a Sam can, Harris deal you for You can us. love Bernie Sanders. You can support Bernie Sanders. And you can think that everything that we're talking about here is bullshit. That's totally fine. Um, but I think it's fair. Okay? Because if someone believes that inequality is a moral problem, that, and they have money, they have the cash... Right. Um. I would expect to see more being given to charity. That's what I expect. And maybe it's the poor bias in me that I come from poverty and I'm a poor person. So I would assume that people who have money who are like on the poor people's team, you know, uh, for the poor people's campaign. Uh, that they would be doing more than just their uh, minimum tax obligation and like 2.26% to charity. I would assume that person would be doing more.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I also, I would say this, um, and I think I can speak for Brittany here. I would be thrilled if Bernie got the nomination. I think it would be great. Of course, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I'm going to support him in the primary because I, I mean, I don't know when now this early, but... Right at this very moment, I'm kind of leaning toward Elizabeth Warren, mm-hmm. who really is just, you know, another type of Bernie Sanders-like candidate. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, so I'm not, it's not like I hate Bernie or or think Bernie's bad or, or
2: I, I would be thrilled, fuck, it would be great. But in order to, to make this argument, people keep obscuring it. And and I, I really want us if we're gonna have this conversation to really stay on topic right yeah. and understand who we're talking about, um, because that's the important part. And when Mikey says, "Well, am I gonna be judged because I don't donate to charity?" You know, are you making one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year, Mikey? Yeah. Because if you are, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you you should be donating more to charity, or or or. No, no fuck. You, well, should be, no, you should be more charitable. Yes. Especially if you believe, like Bernie, that it absolutely is, without any equivocation, a moral issue. Inequality.
2: So if if also if Mikey is concerned about the charities that uh don't actually give the money to people, Char- right? Because Charity that's na- fair. Charity Navigator. That's it's a great site. That's fine as well. Um GiveWell.org. Is a nonprofit, and here is their about section, is a nonprofit dedicated to finding outstanding giving opportunities through in depth analysis. Thousands of hours of research have gone into finding our top rated charities. They're evidence backed, thoroughly vetted, and underfunded.
1: That's great. So, What's the website again?
2: Givewell.org. Awesome. So if you are looking for a place to give your money, this is an evidence based website that provides charities that your money will will actually go to the place that it's supposed to go yeah yeah. so if that is your concern and valid concern there are
1: it's for sure a valid concern i
2: mean the trump foundation you know yeah. all of this stuff um that is a valid concern but there's also remedies for that so don't just discount and say you don't believe in charity i mean what if bill gates was just like down and out with charity <laughs> we, we would not be in a good place you yeah, know yeah, yeah. um and by the way people People like Recker Bregman, the guy who went viral in Davos for telling rich people to pay their taxes. And
1: also, again, on the Tucker Carlson thing.
2: Right. He has repeatedly said, he's repeatedly have to say that he's not against charity. He's not against people giving to charity. He wants people to pay taxes. And once you've paid your taxes, he would love to hear about your charitable giving. Yeah. But somehow his argument at Davos got spinned into... Just pay your taxes. No one cares about charity. Yeah. But charity is still important. You know what I mean? For sure. And I I don't think the expectation is that everyone gives to charity or people who don't have money give to charity, you know? But if we're talking about rich people who are well off and own several properties or whatever it might be, yeah. I mean, I would expect that some of those people are giving back, right?
1: Especially when the fucking, the the crux of your life and your message and your ethos is... That inequality, income inequality is a moral failing of the United States. Anyway, we're going to move on. Um, I think we've got another, maybe two emails about the voting, the voting issue that we should get to. And then we're going to move on to the rest of the program.:
2: So we have an email from Jen. Uh Yes, Jen. <laughs> I wanted to see if there was an additional letter that they wanted me to read, like Chris wanted me That's to right. read. That's
1: right,
2: Chris yeah. G. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I have listened to the podcast for a few years now and have never actually sent in a comment. I have yelled at the car stereo a few times when I disagreed with Jesse, but that is the closest I have gotten to a comment. Brittany and I could be the same person at times, especially when it comes to the I'm not prepared bit. I am one I'm of, not prepared. Uh, I am one of your Canadian contingent and my boyfriend introduced me to the show. I have spent my whole career in the public service and as part of my current role I do investigations within our correctional system. Therefore in episode 507 when you were discussing prisoners having the right to vote, I had to write in. When someone commits a crime, is caught, found guilty and sentenced to imprisonment, the loss of freedom and the freedom to do as one pleases is the punishment. And this should not be further exacerbated while incarcerated." Further, prison administrations should seek to minimize any differences between prison life and life at large. These are basic principles, rules three and five, of the United Nations Standard Minimum Rules for the Treatment of Prisoners, or the Mandela Rules. These were first established in 1955 and adopted by the UN in 1957. In December of 2005, the UN adopted revised rules as the Nelson-Mandela Rules to honor Mandela's legacy. The rules detail the basic conditions that prisoners should have while incarcerated. It speaks to everything from facility management to the solitary confinement. The Mandela rules, plus the fact that the criminal justice system in the U.S. and Canada routinely criminalizes poverty and exonerates wealth, makes me a firm believer in prisoner voting rights, especially in my home province, where close to 80 percent of the individuals in our jails are on remand which means that they have not been convicted of a crime and they are awaiting trial. Additionally, most are indigenous and are in on breach of conditions. It generally is an unfair system for poor minorities who would not be able to afford the lawyer to stay out of jail. Thank you for all that you do and please give Popeye a belly rub and chin scratch for me. Brittany is the best part. Jen from Regina, the city that rhymes with fun.
1: I think it rhymes with vagina.
2: (laughs) Did I say it right?
1: Yeah, vagina, vagina. All right. But also...
2: Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. So,
1: one little personal shout-out message to Jen. There's rhyme and reason, Jen, that we read or don't read a particular message at a particular time. Now was the time. I've been asking for reasons why no one can tell me why a felon can't vote. Here we are now with reasons. There you go. So I agree with a lot of that. I would say that I don't put a lot of stock. I do put some, but not a lot of stock into what the fucking UN comes up with. That's an organization that puts like Saudi Arabia and Iran on the Human Rights Commission. Come on. That's a... Anyway, that's another topic for another day, but but they do good work. I think they do good work especially where it relates to issues like this and poverty. Um I don't know, again, uh, m- maybe I'm preemptively putting my foot into my mouth as apparently Jen thinks I do a lot, which is <laughs> completely okay and probably right in certain certain aspects, but um I don't know how I feel about, well, you know, we should make prisoners lives i'm not i'm paraphrasing and maybe putting something on you jen that you didn't say but you know oh we should make their life as as easy as we can and just as much like the outside world as we can without was that too much of a Uh burp? and as much like it is on the outside world as we can without you know i don't know what was the line what was the line in the email
2: Quote further, prison administrations should seek to minimize any differences between prison life and life at large.
1: Yeah, see, I don't, I don't know, uh, I don't. Right now, the way I, you maybe have to explain it to me better, Jen. But uh, I don't believe that. I, I think there is a punitive element to to incarceration. It's not just about rehabilitation. It's also about a fucking time out, and part of that time out is a punishment. Uh, if you murder somebody, if you rape someone. Uh, it's it shouldn't be just oh we were gonna make you as comfortable as possible while we rehabilitate you, you know this isn't Star Trek where it's some utopia. I don't know, uh, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong. I just it, it, some people are beyond now we're getting into you know different territory here. Well, and that's I'll just why. Shut up. Well,
2: this is why I think this conversation is so difficult because you're talking about. The prison population, which holy shit, how variable! Yeah, you have people who have committed essentially crimes that are not crimes anymore, and then you've had pe- have people who are like serial rapists and serial murderers. <laughs> so we're trying to have this conversation about um, this very wide ranging population. And so when you talk about the right to vote, you made it very simple, right? Are they citizens? Okay, they can vote. um, But then when you kind of start getting into this conversation about, well, how should they live their life in prison? Yeah,
1: it's a different conversation for sure.
2: And, I mean, it, it, it can make it more complicated. If someone is eventually going to rejoin society, do you want the a uh, prison environment to be as close to real life as possible so then they can more easily rejoin society sure
1: but don't you also want prison to be a fucking bummer enough to, to be somewhat of a deterrent if it's just oh yeah fuck three three hots in a cot brother going right back in i mean that's i don't know that i want prison to be that
2: you know i was actually thinking about this because you know how they uh pro gun people talk about guns like People don't care about laws, you know? Yeah. And I was thinking about this while I was sitting in traffic for an hour on the 405 about to rip all of my hair out. Ready as I
1: wishing you had a gun to just go on a fucking spree. No,
2: no, 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 no. <laughs> Watching people fly by in the empty carpool lane where you can get a ticket for $300. You won't even go to jail. Like yeah. You don't even have a serious problem, but no one is getting in that lane yeah. and breaking the law to get a $300 ticket. Right. You know, and the the pro gun people are like, no one cares about laws. Yeah. Uh, everyone that is on the freeway with me every day that's like crying behind the wheel (laughs) because all they want is to be at home. (laughs) They're not even risking a three hundred dollar (laughs) ticket.
1: Right. By the way, you know how rarely I see people get pulled over for that. That's a conversation for another day. But anyway, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Anyway, Jen. I mean, you know, I don't want to be Steven Crowder here, but if I can change my mind, I don't know. I I just don't see. I don't see that we need to make it as miserable as possible, like it's a fucking gulag or something. But uh, I, I certainly don't think it should be a holiday inn. That's, again, we're fucking digressing. It's a different conversation.
2: All right, Arizona sheriff that I can't remember the name of. Arpaio. She definitely, (laughs) Jen,
1: definitely gave us reasons and all of that income inequality thing about you're punishing poverty and you're rewarding wealth or letting it off the hook. All of that is real. All of that is valid. All of that needs to be taken into account when we talk about disenfranchisement of this particular segment of the population. Thank you for the email. We appreciate it very much. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email. And we encourage you to email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Here is a very
6: late mid-roll. Support for I Doubt It with Dolamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward, one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit Patreon.com/slash. I doubt it with Dollamore.
2: We would like to thank Patreon supporter William.
6: William, because
2: we have a a double pledge situation here.
6: A double
1: pledge.
2: Doubled the pledge. Oh,
1: doubled the pledge.
2: Yes.
1: Nice. So
2: thank you so much for that, sir. We really appreciate it.
1: We very much appreciate it. The other way that you can support the show, if you're doing summertime buying on the old Amazon.com. Getting your
2: a- unicorn floats.
1: What? What is that?
2: And they're all popular on Instagram. You know, you get a unicorn like uh, blow up thing to put in the pool and then, oh. and then you sit on it and then you take a selfie and then you put it on Instagram.
1: I did not know.
2: Well, that's a thing
1: dollamore.com slash amazon and you can all have your very own personal unicorn float.
2: Who knew? Yeah.
1: Who fucking knew all of the things I'm getting ready to buy new headphones mm. on on the on the uh, I almost said Instagram on the on the on the Amazon.
2: So then every time you wear your headphones, there won't be black specks all over your face anymore. That is right.
1: I've been wearing these same Sennheiser headphones. Uh huh for over five fucking years.
2: That is a very long time. Yeah. But that have, is actually something that I appreciate about you. They
1: have disintegrated. It's There's no more like that soft rubber coating or plastic yeah. coating. It's just cloth filled with like hair from my hair.
2: Yeah. For hair from your hair. Yeah. This is actually what we should all do. We should all use whatever we have until it disintegrates.
1: These literally are right now disintegrating yeah if i could replace the deal i might Mm -hmm. although they're stretched out for my giant pumpkin head well that happens Uh, it's gonna happen it's It's, gonna happen no matter what you do no kidding it is what happens all right enough about my dirty filthy pumpkin head dollar democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism so I had a whole show planned around the fact that Nancy Pelosi said, well, I tell you what, I've got two two packages to play. I'm only going to play one. We'll just very briefly talk about Pelosi calling what Bill Barr did a crime and that he lied to Congress because that's what we were going to talk about today until Donald Trump opened up his fucking mouth and had a conversation with Putin for over an hour today where he did not talk about... Their meddling in the election then also completely not a shocker contradicted his own intelligence community and his own Secretary of State relative to Russia interfering also in, in Venezuela so first let's talk about Nancy Pelosi who said this
7: he, did the Inter- he lied to Congress he lied to Congress
6: and if, if anybody else did that it would be considered a crime uh, you, nobody is above the law, not the president of the United States and not the attorney general. Being the attorney general does not give you uh, a bath to go say whatever you want, and it is the fact because you are the attorney general. Should it just isn't jail? true. Should he
3: go to jail for it?
6: The, 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 <laughs> there's a process involved here, and as I said, I'll say it again, and how many questions you may have, the committee will act upon um how we will proceed so are
1: they not let's just say this
2: was she not prepared for that question who
1: fucking knows
2: (laughs) if you if you're gonna call
1: it a crime and you're gonna outright say that he lied to congress while under oath right aka perjury Mm -hmm. if by next week nothing happens they're not going to advance impeachment proceedings then shut the fuck up about it. Be quiet about it. If there's not going to be a consequence when a co-equal branch of government is lied to and then he's subpoenaed and disregards the subpoena the next day, then be quiet. Speaker Pelosi, shut the fuck up. No one wants to hear you bluster about how it's a crime that he lied. It's perjury. And then nothing happened. Not everything can be strategy. Some things have to be principle. And if you're just going to allow this to happen, that means you're okay with it.
2: Well, that's what's weird because she came out Um, And said that she was not in favor of beginning impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump. Right. And now here she is saying that the attorney general committed a crime that's very forceful language. So you would assume, okay, well, we're going to be starting impeachment proceedings for the attorney general, right?
1: That would be, that is what the constitution requires.
2: And so, like you're saying, if that doesn't happen, I mean, it, it... it just doesn't matter to come out and call it a crime. Like you're not going to get credit for doing that. Right. You know, in
1: fact, in fact, you'll, you're going to be criticized by people like me and many others.
2: Yeah. You're not going to get credit for it.
1: Here's the deal. It doesn't matter that you, that you suspect or, you know, or whatever the outcome, if someone rapes, someone we will take it to, we'll take it there. rapes or murders someone. And you don't really have the hard evidence you don't not bring charges if you know that they did it because, uh well, we probably won't win the case. You endeavor to have justice served. So I just, I, I'm, I'm getting very, I've been very tolerant of Nancy Pelosi because I think she is a wise strategist. But it just bothers me both in the case of Donald Trump and now currently with this Bill Barr situation. be quiet about it if you're not going to do anything about it. Because then it's just bluster. And bluster gets us nowhere. Bluster doesn't better our nation. Bluster is what Donald Trump does. I would think it's not what our democratic leaders do. People who ostensibly actually care about justice, who care about the country, who care about the fundamental functioning and the constitutional separations of power. We'd love to know what you think. Again, six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. 7609 Of course, you can always email, and we encourage you to do so. Voicemails from your uh, smartphone to it at dollamore.com. The other thing that happened today is Donald Trump had an over-hour-long or roughly hour-long conversation telephonically with his pal, Vladimir Putin.
2: Of course, he did.
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, and then he was in the Oval Office, and reporters were asking him questions. Which way should we go here, Brittany Page? Should we start with the uh, the Medellin talk, or should we start with the new new uh, the Venezuela talk?
2: Let's start with the Venezuela talk. I was
0: gonna say that. Are you looking at to get humanitarian assistance to Venezuela? Yeah, I, I had a very good talk with President Putin, in probably uh, over an hour. And we talked about many things. Venezuela was one of the topics. And he is uh, not looking at all to get involved in Venezuela, other than he'd like to see something positive happen for Venezuela. And I feel the same way. We want to get some humanitarian aid. Right now, people are starving. They, they have no water. They have no food. This is, Mr. Prime Minister, one of the uh, richest countries in the world 20 years ago. And now it's they don't have food and they don't have water for their people. So we want to help on a humanitarian basis. And uh, I thought it was a very positive conversation I had with President Putin on Venezuela. (laughs) That's
1: a fucking joke, man. Are you kidding me? Ah, you know, talk to Vladimir Putin, everybody. I'm going to be the spokesman for Vladimir Putin right now. I'm the president of the United States. Yeah, you know, they don't want anything to do with uh, Venezuela there. They don't have 100 troops on the ground right now. Yeah, they have nothing to do with it. They want to stay out of there. Complete and utter bullshit. But don't take it from me. Take it from uh, Mike Pompeo, former director of the CIA, current secretary of state, who said this just Tuesday, April 30th, about Nicolas Maduro, the current president of Venezuela. He had an airplane on the tarmac. He was ready to leave this morning, as we understand it. And the Russians indicated he should stay. Uh, we we think the situation remains incredibly fluid. I just want you to elaborate Mr. Secretary on what you said earlier that uh, he was apparently ready to leave, head, o- head off to the airport uh,
4: Maduro, but the Russians talked him out of that. Is that right?
1: That's right. He so, you was blame, headed for, so you blame he, Russia
4: he, he, for the violence right now?
1: He was headed for Havana. Huh. Seems like uh Russia's playing a role in what's going on in Venezuela. Weird that wonder why Vladimir Putin would have told Trump that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why would he have lied to, to Trump? And why is Trump believing Vladimir Putin and not Mike Pompeo and the rest of the in- intelligence infrastructure of the country? Yeah. It's a fucking replay of Helsinki. I know that the director of national intelligence, Coates, told me this and the rest of the intelligence community told me this. But I'll say... Uh, Vladimir Putin very strongly denies it. So I'm going to have to believe him.
2: I know I say this a lot, but why are we being tortured? (laughs)
1: Why are we being tortured?
2: And when is is it going to stop?
1: Remarkable. Well, hopefully soon. 2020 is on uh, the way, Brittany Page. So the other thing that happened that I really want to talk about here is, wow. Wow. You would think that the president of the United States, after having uh, been exonerated legally from any role in a conspiracy with Russia, that he would start acknowledging that, yeah, they did try to fuck with us. Since it's absolutely proven incontrovertibly that they did so. Facts. We have indictments. Numbers. Dozens of indictments of Russians and Russian entities, organizations, companies. We have every intelligence operator believing so, knowing so, because of their underlying investigations and their sources and methods. We have foreign intelligence understanding that that was the case. We have Trump admitting it and then not admitting it and then admitting it and then not admitting it. Everybody fucking knows Russia was a player. They absolutely meddled in the 2016 election. It was an attack on our democracy. That's not hyperbole. It was an attack on democracy, our democracy. So Donald Trump has a chance to talk to Vladimir Putin for over an hour. You'd think at least one time he'd have the gumption or the, the motivation or the time to say, "Hey man, listen bro. We know you fucked with this on 20, in 2016, and you know we have, we have our suspicions that you were, you're gearing up through 2018, and you're going to do it again. I just want to let you know, no. Our democracy is too sacrosanct. It's too important what we do here in the country, and we are an autonomous sovereign nation that you will not fuck with. Eh, barely apparently
0: wasn't quite that important. Comprehensive one. Mr.
2: President, did you address the election meddling issues that came up in the Mueller report with Mr. Putin
0: today? But we discussed that he actually... Uh... Sort of smiled when he said uh, something to the effect that it started off as a mountain and it ended up being a mouse, but he knew that because he knew there was no collusion whatsoever. Uh, So uh, pretty much that's what it was. As president, did you tell him not to meddle in the next election? Excuse me, I'm talking, I'm answering this question. You are very rude. Uh, So we had a good conversation about many different things, okay?
6: Did you ask them not to to
3: meddle?
0: Uh, We didn't discuss that. Really, we didn't discuss it. We discussed five or six things. We also, uh, we went into great detail. Uh, We're
1: done with that. I can't take any more. I don't know why I still expect something from Republicans who ostensibly love their country. Where the fuck are the Republicans? Why are they not saying, holy shit, this is not our guy. This guy doesn't love our country. This guy does not support our country. I fucking, why do I feel like I'm preaching?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. Damn. I went to go find the tweet where he talked about uh, what he talked about with Vladimir Putin, but I saw this tweet that I need to read first. All right, the wonderful diamond and silk. Oh my god. <laughs> The wonderful Diamond and Silk Have been treated so horribly by Facebook They work so hard And what has been done to them is very sad And we're looking into It's getting worse and worse for conservatives on social media
1: You know, we also was talking about how James Woods Had been kicked off Twitter I went Mm -hmm. and looked James Woods is on Twitter But he was also bitching about Paul Joseph Watson Oh, God Which I guess we'll talk about after this Mm -hmm. The Facebook laid down the hammer. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so did you find the tweet?
2: Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, We discussed trade, Venezuela, Ukraine, North Korea, nuclear arms control, and even the Russia hoax.
1: The Russia hoax.
2: Very productive talk.
1: So Donald Trump still is calling it a hoax, even though everybody. So if it's a hoax, that means those indictments were false. They're indicting people who are innocent. That's what he's saying. The other thing that strikes me about this is no one calls Donald Trump on the fact that it's a hoax. If it's a hoax, then how is it that he always says, well, why didn't Obama? Obama should have dealt with the Russian interference. Obama dropped the ball. What He should have dealt with the hoax. If it's a hoax, it's a hoax. You can't have it both fucking ways, you stupid pit faced moron. You see, is you saw the the video today, Brittany? Something's going on.
2: Um, is talking- it
1: just he? What didn't have it all filled in with the with the tanning spray?
2: Are you talking about Donald Trump?
1: Of course. I'm
2: more concerned about his eyes because he's always looked somewhat like a Who character, and now it's just like he's turning into a Dr. Seuss animation. <laughs> Where he just looks like he's from Whoville. So you
1: put a fucking mustache on that guy, and he's the Lorax.
2: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> something like that. Yeah.
1: So anyway, where's Donald Trump? Why is he not calling? It's obviously rhetorical. For for for. Putin not to meddle in the 2020, demanding, hey, adversary, you better not attack us like you did in 2016. I am the commander in chief of the United States Armed Forces, and I hereby demand that you do not attack us. Eh, instead, oh, yeah, he smiled about it. It was a mountain and a mouse and a god Goddamn.
2: You know, what a gift to foreign adversaries this presidency has been. Oh, yeah. And how embarrassing is it for our country to, I mean, he's talking to Vladimir Putin for an hour on the phone, and uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders gets to come out and tell the press. And, um, I mean, it's it's just really sad.
1: It's also a gift to, you know, uh, public intellectuals like Diamond and Silk. Oh, my God. That they have the President of the United States promoting them and their Facebook program, which is not being censored by Facebook. And I say that because Facebook just came out and we're gonna get there. I was gonna talk about this at the top of the show and then dropped it. Um, Facebook just came out and announced that they are further, who knew that there was further banning that needed to be done of Infowars and Alex Jones, but there are other characters and they're being designated as dangerous to the community.
2: Just into CNN, Facebook is purging several high-profile names from its platforms. Among them, Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan, right-wing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, as well as his media outlet InfoWars. They're being banned for spreading, quote, dangerous ideology. CNN Business senior media reporter Oliver Darcy joins me now. So what more do we know about this ban and, and who else is included?
6: Yeah, this is a very strict action from Facebook, Erica, basically they've deemed these individuals to be dangerous, is what Facebook is saying. Those individuals include Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan, who has a history of anti-Semitic remarks, um, people like right-wing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, and then also some right-wing media personalities who are pretty popular online. People like Milo Yiannopoulos, Laura Loomer, Paul Joseph Watson, those people are banned, as well as a failed congressional candidate, Paul Nalen, who had made a number of anti-Semitic remarks. Um, Facebook has given us a statement, and they do say in their statement, I'll read part of it to you right now. Um, They say that we've always banned individuals or organizations that promote or engage in violence and hate regardless of ideology. The process for evaluating potential violators is extensive and it is what led us to our decision to remove these accounts today. Um, Facebook told me that the uh, process they use is to uh, engage a number of factors. Uh, have they promoted uh, hate speech on Facebook? Have they been banned for violating the rules in the past? Have they self-described themselves as part of a hate movement or hate ideology? Those are the factors that Facebook was weighing, and you know, they're taking this really strict action uh, moments ago.
2: And, and banning from Facebook and Instagram, Correct.
6: Yes, Facebook obviously owns Instagram, and so someone like Alex Jones, who had been banned from Facebook a while back, last year in the summer, but he was still having a presence on Instagram, and that had drawn a lot of scrutiny from people who are saying, hey, you know, you guys banned them from one of your platforms. Why are you allowing them to have a presence on Instagram? Mm -hmm. And so, yes, now Facebook is going to be banning uh, Alex Jones and InfoWars from not only their main platform, Facebook, but also from Instagram. Um, I checked in also to see if these people would be banned from WhatsApp, which is also owned by Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, And a spokesperson cannot say immediately because it's, I guess, unclear whether some of these people have uh, WhatsApp accounts, according to the spokesperson.
2: All right. But we know you'll continue to check on it. Oliver Darcy, good to see you. Thank you.
6: Thank
1: you. That guy's getting TV time. What? That guy.
2: Wait, what's happening right Oliver now? Oliver
1: Dark, who I, I don't have anything against, but. It seems like you do. That guy's getting TV time.
2: Seems like you have something against him.
1: I mean, if I was Donald Trump talking to Seth Meyers, I'd say, your mouth is full of marbles. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so here, here's the oh deal, man. Oh, my though. God. One, listen. I, I'm I'm slow to shit on Facebook, but when it happens, it happens. And this is when it's happening. Uh, if you own a platform that is closely tied to Facebook, like Instagram is, like I don't really know about the, the WhatsApp thing. I mean, I know what it is and all, but it's not so linked to Facebook where you can share from Instagram to Facebook with the click of a button. Mm-hmm. You, why was there any delineation made there? Why was Alex Jones still being able to to propagate his lies and his fucking filth on their on their platform? Right. There is a little different thing here that's happening, and this is from Taylor Lawrence for the from the Atlantic. She writes: Infowars is subject to the strictest ban. Facebook and Instagram will remove any content containing Infowars videos, radio segments, or articles unless the post is explicitly condemning the content. And Facebook will also remove any groups set up to share InfoWars content and events promoting any of the banned extremist figures, according to a company spokesperson. So, that's where we are. However, it's not really where we are, because within an hour, within an hour of this announcement from Facebook Alex Jones was up and live streaming mm-hmm. on 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 a Facebook page called infowars is back and on this live stream oh my God on Facebook he was live streaming talking about having been banned from Facebook <laughs>
2: uh.
1: now listen. In this way, I'm kind of making a joke about it, because it's got to be a gargantuan effort. But if you're going to be a a tech giant,
3: mm-hmm.
1: with that responsibility, with that privilege, come along with it, giant responsibilities.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And part of that is developing the tech to scrub your platform of this garbage persons content. Yes. If algorithms can be developed that will immediately take off terrorist content, then why is it taking this long to to recognize Alex Jones, you know, fucking gravelly ass voice talking about gay frogs? Mm-hmm. It should be very simple in some way. And look, I'm not a tech guy. If I was, I wouldn't be talking into a microphone for a living. Mm hmm. Well, um, I'd actually be making money doing something, Britney.
3: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> right?
1: Um. I don't know. I, I just, I, I want to be. I want to be decent to Facebook because I think it's a great move because they're not only getting rid of Alex Jones. It's also that Paul Joseph Watson guy. It's that toxic uh, Paul Nellon guy who is like, uh, uh, who who is it? Corey Stewart said, I admire him. That's a guy I look up to.
2: Yeah. So one confusing thing is that Facebook, there's not a lot of consistency in this area. So, um, you know the anti-vax pages that are allowed to run rampant. Yeah, and I know that they're trying to address these things, and and we probably should give them some time to figure it out. I guess, but I'm a little suspicious of it because it it seems like maybe they would get it together by now and, and figure out some sort of consistent policy. Well,
1: I th- can I explain why I think they don't. Yeah. I think they don't, and this goes with YouTube, too, by the way. The reason I think they don't is because if they write a a, a very clear, concise to the letter policy, then all of these Nazi fucks will go right up to the line and then not violate the policy. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. So if they leave it a little nebulous, then they can fucking put the, the, the cut, the you know, cut them off at the head without really giving them a reason because mm-hmm. it's their platform and they can just say, oh, yeah, you violated community standards. Right now. It was Facebook too slow to cut off Alex Jones. Yeah. Was YouTube? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, they were.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to criticize them there. But now that they're doing it, let's let them do it. Let's encourage them to get it done. And not be so critical that as though, I mean, kind of like I just was with making fun that he was up and broadcasting right away.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I would also say that, I guess, truly in the long run, it doesn't matter because you still have people like Joe Rogan, who has the most popular podcast in America, or one of them, uh, who gives Alex Jones a platform. You have Joe Rogan, who, again, has one of the most popular podcasts in America, who goes on InfoWars. You have uh, like Logan Paul or whatever, uh, who also has a podcast and who can indoctrinate all the young people who watch his stupid YouTube videos. Yeah, that's a problem. And he interviews Alex Jones. And yeah, now
1: I, well, that's probably on YouTube because their policy is not like Facebook is not as stringent as Facebook's is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a problem. Yeah.
2: Right. And so what are we to do with those people who still have this large following of people, oftentimes in a cult like way that's a little scary, uh, that refuse to criticize again the people that they're a tremendous fan of that are platforming this terrible person.
1: We need to hold these these platforms accountable to Alex Jones needs to be anybody affiliated with InfoWars needs to be persona non grata. You're just, you're not allowed anymore. I'm sorry. If Joe Rogan, you want to post a video with Alex Jones? Nope. That one gets taken down. And you know what talks money? Money talks. And if you're going to have a video that would have a million or two million views, but it's not now because it's not going to be allowed to be up. People like Joe Rogan, people like Logan Paul, who for sure is in it for the money. They're not going to post that shit. They're not going to even invite him on because they know it's not going to fly. So it's pressure on the content provider. It's pressure on the platform. That's where it comes. Yeah we'll see. I, I well, look we're getting there. We can't expect uh, instant results overnight. It's happening. Anyway, uh there is a little bit of news. Let's do some follow up on asshole of today last time. Um I guess we'll uh, it's still going to be asshole of today.
3: The asshole of today.
2: Well, as we often are, oh, not us, Stephen Moore. (laughs) But as I'll take it, I'll take it. as, As we often are, we were the great prognosticators once again. Yes. And we talked about Stephen Moore being asshole of today on the last episode. And naturally, the next day, he withdrew his name. The very next day. Yeah.
1: That is so correct.
2: We have so much power, you know.
1: It's almost as though those assholes were were listening to the show.
2: Yeah. We really should be careful with all of the power that we wield.
1: Steve Moore, someone the president
5: wanted to appoint to the Federal Reserve Board, now the president tweeting this. Steve Moore, a great pro-growth economist and a truly fine person, has decided to withdraw from the Fed process. Steve won the battle of ideas, including tax cuts and deregulation, which have produced non-inflationary prosperity for all Americans. I've asked Steve to work with me toward future economic growth in our country. A long tweet from the president there. Uh, feels like it might have been written by somebody. That's not his language <laughs> all of the time. But this is significant in the sense that the president had two picks for the Fed. Herman Cain pulled out because he was clear he was not going to get Senate I'm confirmation. Now Steve Moore okay. pulling out because it's also clear he was not going to get Senate confirmation. Remember, the Senate is controlled by Republicans. Uh, the Senate Republicans in recent days have sent word because of things Steve Moore has written over the years about women, Um, that don't even try this, Mr. President, and clearly at the White House they listened.
7: Maybe that's what Republican lawmakers have been saying, that the White House should do a better job vetting these people before the president just floats their names, because these people are out there, they haven't even been formally nominated for these jobs, then they get criticized for things they've said in the past, things that they've done in the past,
2: and then they get kind of left hung out to dry. It's happened with some of the people that the president has picked before. And um, Republicans are complaining that before they have to go through this and answer all these questions about someone who hasn't even been formally nominated, the White House should probably do a better job vetting before they... And
5: Steve Moore complained about a smear campaign. There were 25 years of writings in which he criticized women athletes. He said women had no place doing this. Uh, There was an interview I saw a clip of it the other day where he said the biggest problem in the economy is declining
7: male wages. Yeah, I mean, he has said that, that a lot of this was in jest. I mean, what we've been hearing from the Senate is that they don't think it's very funny, um, you know. Th- and like you, like you said, there's a, there, this is now the second pick in a row uh, that that's, uh, it's walked away from a, a very high-profile nomination in a very important job, particularly in this administration, particularly heading into this election. Right. Um, and uh, it, it raises a couple of things. One is, is it raises new questions. I think about the uh, about the process inside the White House. Sort of, there have been questions all along the way, but Trump Trump has lost a lot of people. I mean. These are the kind of nominations that John Kelly would have said, "Well, wait a second. Here, here here's the here's the paperwork. Here's what the Senate is going to see. Do you really want to do this?" There, there are not that many figures like that left in the White House. Not just John Kelly, but others who have left uh, post midterms. And um, you know, Herman Cain said that this was about uh, about you know the pay, and he, he just realized that he was going to get paid a lot less than he than he thought he was. Uh, you know. It, Maybe he told more the, uh, what that salary was, and, and, and this is all just
5: a... Uh, this is also, to the vetting point, it's mm-hmm. people in the White House who understand institutional history here in Washington in the sense that uh, Steve Moore had another problem. The reason is that Mitch McConnell and John Thune, le- members of the leadership, have told the White House, uh, we cannot get Lisa Murkowski, Joni Ernst, who's on the ballot next year in Iowa, Susan Collins is on the ballot next year in Maine. Uh, we're not going to get their votes, given all that he's written about, but this is inside, inside politics, if you will. Uh, Steve Moore, also a founder of the Club for Growth, Uh, which is a conservative group that often runs ads and campaigns against establishment Republican Mm -hmm. candidates, including a lot of Mitch McConnell's friends. Uh, And so there's no reservoir of goodwill for Steve Moore, for Mitch McConnell to go to those female senators and other senators who don't like these writings and say, look, I need you to take one for the team here, because Mitch McConnell is no fan of Steve Moore and what he calls the club for dopes.
2: So it's interesting that Donald Trump probably doesn't like the negative attention that he always receives once his nomination is unsuccessful. But he continues to do this, yeah. even though he has people that say, listen, can you please stop? Because we haven't vetted this person. You can't just keep choosing people who have no experience in in these fields. Stop
1: picking people you've seen on Fox News.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, what's next? Diamond and Silk are going to be up for something. I mean, we need to we need to relax.
1: I'm sorry, Bliss. I meant Wolf. Okay,
2: it's it's time to relax.
1: Here's here's the deal. Listen. It's not just about vetting these these candidates. It's certainly a part of it, but it's not just about vetting. You need to pick better people, especially related to such a serious and sober position as the 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 Fed. And you can have your your issues with the Fed with the Federal Reserve, which may or may not be be grounded in 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 reality. But we got what we got, folks. And uh, if you want the United States currency to be taken seriously, we need people to respect the, the folks on the Fed board. And Donald Trump wants a fast food fix for people who are looking long term at the U.S. economy and the respect that the world has for the dollar. And you certainly don't want Herman fucking Kane on the Fed board. I'm sorry, Bliss. I meant Wolf, okay? Or the guy who's making jokes about Donald Trump kicking out a black family from public fucking housing. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump is not taking this particular thing seriously. And it gives me, and I'm not saying a lot of hope, but it gives me just just a, a scintilla of hope. That Republicans are in this for the right thing when they say, yeah, nah, not for the Fed board. You're not going to fucking put up some ding dong. You might put up a moron for the attorney general or for housing and urban development or for energy or any other cabinet position that apparently they don't respect. But the Fed board, they seem to get. They seem to get that. Anyway, we are going to leave you there. We thank you for your time and your loyalty and your listenership. We would also love for you to help support the show on the Patreon. Join the Patreon family. You can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon, or if you like direct links, you can go to patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. I don't know how long it's been since we've said that. And by we, I mean me, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, We would love your support. We are driving forward. It supports just not only the the podcast, but also the YouTube channel. Keeps the lights on. Helps us move the conversation forward episode by episode, video by video. And we love and appreciate all of you uh, who are a part of the Patreon family. It is a great thing. Uh, We are going to be back next week with two brand new versions. Is that right? Installments of the show. (laughs) And we'll see you then. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore and this has been I Doubt
2: The Wonderful Diamond and Silk. Oh my God. (laughs)